<laughs> I thought you'd like that. Yeah, I thought uh, that was that. Yeah, I had a different song planned, but when you mentioned that song earlier, I was like, oh, you know what? That would be a great song to kick it off with. Let's do that. <laughs> That's uh, easily one of my favorite Ramon songs. I don't, I don't regard it as the highest uh, acclaimed Ramon song, but for sure, yeah. I um, always, I always fucking <laughs> loved it. I always loved that Ramon song. You know what was so weird though? Um, the song that I had picked out to start this episode off uh, was "The KKK Took My Baby Away" by the Ramones. So that's my other favorite Ramon song. That's so weird because you pre pre recording you mentioned that Ramon song, and I was gonna tell you like, oh my god, I have a Ramon song planned, and then I was like, hail Mary, last minute, this one's better. But man, what are the chances? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah that that is a that is a little strange for me <laughs> yeah. because yeah, I I don't know why. I, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not the world's biggest Ramones fan. Like, I have friends who are way more yeah. into the Ramones than I am. But I, I definitely, like, always love the Ramones. And I had a classic hit, or their greatest hits album. That's really what I listened to, which mm-hmm. is kind of always not the best way to absorb a band. Sure. Um, but, man, was it good. And it had stuff like that, like, the KKK took my baby away and stuff like that. Like it, it had songs that weren't as popular from the Ramones. Mm -hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't know why I love that song so much. It's kind (laughs) of a fucked up song, but man, I love it. It's a little fucked up, fucked up, but yeah, it's great. man. Oh, that's awesome. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, episode 14, I think. Yeah. 14. 14. We made it past uh, lucky number 13. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to go pretty good today. We're starting early um, on a Monday, which we rarely do. We both had the day off, so it worked out pretty well. We're in, you know, I, we're both in decent moods, I think. So, <laughs> yeah, I definitely have weird. done it. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's probably going to get a little weird. I definitely did at least a smidgen of day drinking, so I'm gonna I'm gonna settle into podcast mode here a little bit. Oh, all right. I have not done any, but speaking of, tis the season. Uh, <laughs> Is the season. I don't know why I said that. No, that's that's uh, really funny. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that every time I open a beer from now on. Tis the season. Uh, I've got a Rheingeist watermelon. I think I've told you about this one, but I don't think I've had it on the podcast yet. Um, it's basically kind of a watermelon punch seltzer that Rheingeist is doing, but it is delicious. Mitch, I think you had this beer last episode. Did I? Well, then. No, I don't think it was this one because I I remember specifically um, Erica wouldn't let me. (laughs) But then I found out that you could buy this watermelon in Fort Wayne. So I'm like, oh, cool. Well, then I'm doing this. Oh, okay. She she wanted to have it, so she wouldn't. Yeah, I was supposed to be saving them for her. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. Well, it may not have been the last episode, but it was definitely a recent episode because I remember we went on this tangent of like watermelon. What the hell are they referencing? And I thought it was the Little Wayne song, you know, in Millie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We did do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm drinking it again, so. Uh, that's okay you, you you do have a tendency to do that i just i haven't been to the liquor store in a while so well what am I to do what what what's a boy to do um, <laughs> what about you so i um my yingling is my backup and uh but what i am gonna drink that's a little bit special i have these we found these jack daniels country cocktails Ooh. Okay, that this one is pretty good. Is that peach? Is that what that says? Yeah, southern peach. That sounds pretty good. 
So pretty, you know, I have had a few over the course of the last few days. I am celebrating my wedding anniversary. Uh, so I've uh, been drinking. Yeah. Yeah. No, as you should. No, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, Mitch, would you like to know what the second year anniversary present is? I would love to know. Been dying to know. I'll, I'll explain it real quick. There's all the traditional gifts that you get mm-hmm. your significant other for each year of your wedding anniversary. Well, I, me and my... You guys do that. You follow the tradition. Correct. We Now, admittedly, this year we didn't really do it, but we will. Like, we did it the first year. The first year of your wedding is paper. The second year is cotton. Um, so what I did <laughs> was I printed out the divorce papers on cotton paper. Um <laughs> <laughs> that was my most like Rodney Dangerfield. It really joke. was. <laughs> yeah. Take my wife. Wife. Please. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. All right. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm 70 years old. Uh, so the cotton thing that you did, um, did you? Are you really going to get her something like with something to do with cotton? Because cotton is also the name of your cat. So I was really hoping that it would just be like a picture of your cat or <laughs> what I wanted to do. Uh, basically, no, we're not going to do an actual gift this year just because we spent we, we went to a Reds game. As I mean, yeah, that's the gift. Yeah, the experience. That's a lot of times that's better than a gift. Yeah, we, we spent a lot of money. We went a, a little bit more experience heavy this mm-hmm. year, so we just didn't bother. And and yeah. for the first about five or ten years, if anybody else wants to do this, I promise it's a good idea. For the first five to ten years, you it there's nothing expensive on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> so um, my original idea was just buy her a T-shirt, buy her a cotton mm-hmm. T-shirt of, of something she would like. Um, what I did contemplate doing, which I did not do, uh, is I was going to dress cotton up in like a cat outfit. Yes. And then just sort of unveil that and, uh, <laughs> you know, do that as the present. But uh, cotton's pretty cantankerous, so I don't... <laughs> I don't think it wouldn't happen. Um, yeah. He actually, out of our two cats, she did buy a cat leash at one point to walk our cats because that is something I would like to do. Uh, because I'm, I just fully accepted it. All right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all, man. Yeah. Uh, well, no, there, there's a couple things wrong. Um, I'm a proud cat dad. We've got two, and I love them to death. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's part of being a cat dad. Um, but, uh, uh, actually cotton was the one who would, who could potentially be walked as a, okay. as a cat. Um, so that may happen one day, but yeah, no, we, we wanted kind of more experience this year. And my paper gift for last year was I bought her a pack of Avengers playing cards. Mm-hmm. We had just finished watching, uh, at that point, all the MCU movies. And I was like, oh, paper, you know, playing cards, paper. Yeah. That's what it is for the first five to ten years. I right. think. I think. I think t- at at your ten year anniversary, it ramps up. So um, that's when you have to put in more thought and effort. But for the first <laughs> nine years, you get kind of a free pass to do whatever you want. So I'm yeah. I'm totally on board with it. <laughs> so, but yeah, we have fun with it. So no, that's cool. Yeah. Um. But anyways uh well mitch uh do you have do you have any openers for us today you are kind of the opener guy and Uh, i didn't prepare you know i really don't have any openers i've been kind of just working on stuff all day so um you're lucky that i 
plan the topic. <laughs> yeah, like, can't yeah. even hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I do have a little bit of one. Okay. Um, before we ended up recording today, I actually uh, picked up the old guitar, and I was sort of picking, picking at the guitar. Uh, I think I finally realized what I'm good at with guitar. I think I I think I realized my sweet spot. So I've been kind of stuck creatively with guitar recently. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing this thing where I'll hop on YouTube and I'll look up like drum beat in whatever key mm-hmm. or you know rock and roll drum beat, funk drum beat. Yeah. Well, YouTube. I don't know why I never thought of this. YouTube. If you have autoplay on, we'll just autoplay similar videos that you're watching, right? Mm, okay, yeah. So today for about an hour, it would be like, uh, like I looked up one that was like a, a Foo, Fire, Foo Fighter style rock beat. Oh, that's cool. Like, yeah, 140 BPM. Played you know, that. I used to do something similar when I was like, uh, before I knew a lot about like recording uh, and stuff, basically like what I would and, and when I was trying to practice, I, I cannot pl- practice along to a click track. I just I need to practice more, but I just can't do it. But for some reason in my head, if you replace those clicks with like a snare and a kick. I can lock right in. I can play along with the drummer just fine, but I can't play with a click track. So what I would do is pull up those similar YouTube videos and I would basically, before I learned how to use like drum replacement software, I would download these YouTube videos for like drum beat, 130 BPM. And then I would just pull it up in my DAW and loop it for like a half hour so I could kind of like write along with it. Um, and I used that as a practice tool and then I realized, oh yeah, Easy Drummer does that and it's a lot easier. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was huge for me. Yeah, and and I've dabbled with that on and on and off, but uh yeah, just today I was like fuck it and then I did one song and then it auto played into the next and what essentially happened was like an hour of me jamming it would be like slow blues and B minor and then it would be fast blues and A minor mm-hmm. and then it went to like synth wave and A minor. Whoa. So I spent an hour doing that, and obviously not all of it was good, but mm-hmm. some of it was surprisingly good, and uh, I definitely got into it. I um, I broke the pickup selector on my guitar, technically. <laughs> okay. Um, it moved. <laughs> so obviously a pickup selector on a Les Paul, you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's vertical. It's right. completely horizontal. Ooh, there okay. is little... <laughs> little washers and rings that mm-hmm. go around the switch. I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> um, so I had a lot of fun for an hour, just absolutely shredding blues licks for <laughs> like an hour. No, and that's really cool, man. Yeah. yeah. Like, look, it's like I said, was, was all of it good? Absolutely fucking not. But a lot of it was kind of impressive. It was one of those things where I didn't know I could do it as well as I could do it until Mm -hmm. I was there. And I was like, you know, I think this is my bag. I think, like, as a musician, this is what I'm good at. Just hopping in, finding the feel of a song. You tell me what key. I'm not Mm -hmm. exactly going to be a master of the fretboard or anything like that. But if you give me enough time, I'll figure it out. And I get to add something to a song and I was like, Oh yeah, no, I'm, this is what I'm good at. And it kind of made me feel like I'm not sure if songwriting is really what I'm good at, but Uh maybe being the guy to just hop in on, Hey, we're doing a, we're doing a Latin groove and C minor. Uh You got us. And I'm like, sure. 
So it, I don't know. It, it gave me a little bit of an ego boost today. So I'm coming in with a with a little <laughs> bit of a big head today. A little bit of chip on your shoulder. No, that's yeah. awesome, man. That's that's so cool. I'm super excited for you. And um, well, we talked before, but like I I've kind of like kind of given up on playing. I still play for fun. Um, I I'm I've kind of accepted the fact that I probably won't be any better than I am now, and I'm okay with that. But what I have been um, kind of focusing my creative music juices on is um, the other side of things. Where we talked about DJing, I was actually working on that a little bit today. I've got this wedding coming up that um, I've got to get the playlist ready for and transitions down and everything. So I worked on that for for about an hour, hour and a half today. And then the past couple of days, I was actually working on something kind of cool. Um, and this is gonna sound so dumb. Um, my thing lately is well not lately i love making a fire playlist and yeah i the, i yeah. spent the past week or so putting together um a couple playlists um that uh, are not quite ready to be revealed but um basically it's been a su- it's super fun to been to be like putting them together because i think what my like thing my forte is finding like a random collection of songs that otherwise really wouldn't have a lot to do with each other except for in the context of oh this specific playlist this specific vibe you're going for um it's all on this playlist so every single song that comes on you're like oh my god I, I you know either I have not heard this before and I love it um or I have heard this and I didn't think they would fit the vibe but it totally does um so that's what I've been nerding out about <laughs> Uh, you're really fucking good at it, dude. Like you <laughs> well, really you. are. As a as a as a friend who has heard the sex playlist that you play for your wife. Um, oh boy, yeah, <laughs> bringing that up again. <laughs> it's good. Like that's the whole that's thing. One. I need to update that. Yeah, <laughs> I need to. Update I need some that. more insane clown posse. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That got me a little bit. Just, that right just, now, it's, it's only, <laughs> it's only fucking insane clown posse. <laughs> no, yeah, like it's good. Like I remember when I first heard it because I don't know if you meant for it to be private or public. Um, I think it's discreetly named, if I remember correct. Well, recently, well, actually, the last episode. I'm kind of glad you decided to pull the trigger on this because last episode I talked about why the Foo Fighters were my favorite man, despite the fact that I'm well aware. That they are not the best band that has ever lived. They are not breaking any new ground. However, they'll always be my favorite band. And then you decided to go ahead and speak onto that with your favorite band. Yeah. So um, I am kind of taken after you. Um, I also admit that uh, my name is Mitch and my favorite band is Weezer. <laughs> Hi, Mitch. <laughs> Thank you. Good to be here. Um <laughs> Boo! <laughs> yep, expected that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm g- basically kind of g- gonna try to um, defend my my opinion that uh, well, that's not that Weezer is my favorite band. I'm not again like you. I'm not saying that they're the greatest band that ever lived because they're far from it. But sure, here's uh, here's why. So um, I guess where do I start with this? To give you the kind of. Uh, some background i first discovered weezer when i was 14 um so keep in mind the weezer blue album came out in 94 i think so i was three years old obviously i wasn't i wasn't listening to weezer then um wish oh, i could have <laughs> right? um, 
to destroy my sweater. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, reason number one that Weezer is my favorite band is, um, I number one, I think it's nostalgia. I have to admit, a lot of it is nostalgia. I was at a very pivotal time in my life. Um, the first time I heard... Uh, the first Weezer song I ever heard was Beverly Hills, which is admittedly their worst song. Um, it's even the worst <laughs> song on Make Believe. It's a it's a bad song. It's fun. It's a bad song, though. But um, kind of give you some background on me, and I'm sure I've told you before, but I don't know if I've mentioned it on the podcast. I was over at one, one of my friend Tyler's house for his birthday party. <laughs> I remember specifically the first time I heard Weezer, he had MTV on and we were just kind of hanging out doing whatever 13, 14 year olds do. And um, that Beverly Hills song came on on MTV and off their make believe album. And I was blown away uh, because I saw this for the first time in my life. I saw this nerdy looking dude that from that video wasn't really good at guitar. He was just kind of playing power chords. Um, and he was just singing about how he wants to be in Beverly Hills. That's such a simple idea for a song. And I was like, why is this on ATV? The guitar part he's playing isn't that crazy hard. It was the first time I heard like a wah pedal, the guitar solo on that, like completely blew my 13 year old mind. Um, and I just really related. Oh, also, um, the music video is shot at the Playboy Mansion. So there's all these Playboy bunnies. So as a 13-year-old, I'm like, holy shit, this nerdy dude is in a polo shirt playing power chords at the Playboy Mansion, and he's on MTV. And prior to my life, like my background is I didn't really listen or identify with music. I, you know, because I was from where I was from, I had listened to a lot of country music. Um, other than that... Because I was a good Christian boy, I listened to Christian rock. Those were That was pretty much my relationship with music, country and Christian rock. And when I heard Weezer, I'm like, oh, my God, this, this is... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Weezer is the funniest band to, like, <laughs> shut up, Mom! <laughs> I you don't understand me. Rivers Cuomo <laughs> understands me. It's so dumb. But as a 13-year-old, I completely identified with, you know, this Beverly Hills song. It's a song about wanting to live in Beverly Hills. And at the time, I'm like, I don't know what Beverly Hills is, but it's better than here, I'm sure. <laughs> it's better than Indiana. <laughs> um, so, oh, here's a part of the story that I don't think I have told you. That same night, it was at that birthday party. There was a sleepover. They were all watching Freddy versus Jason. And I had never really seen scary movies before, and I was too afraid to watch it with them. So I went up and hang, hung out with his parents for a couple hours. <laughs> so that's who I, I felt that was important to the story because that's who I was as a 13-year-old. <laughs> look, I'm not going to give you any shit. That's funny. That's really cute. That's really... Uh, there, there's not a word I could think of that's not patronizing, <laughs> and I'm not trying to patronize that's you. Fine. Like, I, I do genuinely enjoy that because, like, still to this day, I'm, I'm not a big horror movie dude. Yeah, you know what I mean. There's a few that I like that I love actually, um, but the movies that I like that are horror films are not horror based. Like The Shining and John Carpenter's The Thing are my favorite horror movies yeah. that are about more than what's happening. And right. they're also very scary. Yeah. Um, but anyways, 
No, when I was like nine or ten years old, I remember hanging out with all my cousins. Uh, actually, it's kind of a cool memory because now that I think about it. Unfortunately, a lot of those cousins uh, have passed away. Actually, now that I remember really? that, um, but it was really cool. It was me and just a, a wide array of cousins. I have I have twenty three cousins. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, for my cousin generation, I kind of forget how it works because <laughs> like those are just my cousins that would be from my generation. Mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about the cousins that they generated. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So like second cousins. Yeah. Oh yes. Thank you. So my first <laughs> cousins, I have 23 first cousins. So I have a lot of cousins and I would say that literally probably 90% of them were there. And we watched the movie urban legends and it was a slasher fic flick from the early 2000s where it was like all those like the hook and the car door handle oh, okay yeah it, it, it was like a play on all that and i mean i remember bawling and just being like <laughs> yeah. i don't want to watch this <laughs> and just kind of having to like go into another room and just sit there by myself and i think i played yeah. with legos i actually i i remember i played with legos and i watched slam ball <laughs> because that was popular at the time. You remember that? I do remember that. Trick. Yeah, Blast from the Past. That was amazing. Yeah. I so I sit there yeah. play with Legos and watch Slam Ball. That's hilarious. Yeah. So we're we're cut from the same cloth. Yeah, all right. It. I like it. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like it was important to establish that backstory because like at that time I was at such a pivotal age where I didn't know who I was. I was struggling with my identity. I was struggling with confidence issues, obviously. Um and I think from that from that moment on is when I really kind of started to carve out my niche. I, you know, when I essentially when I saw that, I can kind of trace it back to that. That you know, basically, kind of from that day on, I was like, ah, I think that's who I that's who I want to be. I'm the rock guy. I'm the music guy. Yeah, I you know, I was seeing Rivers Cuomo in his nerdy, you know, he's being so confident about his. <laughs> lack of confidence and i was like oh that's the thing you can be so that's just what i'm gonna be and that shortly after that i picked up like electric guitar and i was like okay okay i think i can do this um and it was just kind of my way in um and then shortly after that you know guess reason number two besides nostalgia um the music itself the lyrical content the genre completely speaks to me it it is it it is who i am as a person it is grungy rock chords fuzzy distortion but then rivers cuomo is singing these soaring melodies and super catchy hooks on top of grunge rock chords and that that's the type of music i try to write that's rock but also like catchy as fuck you know that's a little on the poppy side you know you I've told you many times the music that I've written. That's what I try to do. It's rock, but it's also pop. Um, I I, I, want to write something that can get stuck in your head. Um, So that's always kind of resonated with me. Um, And then um, 
at the also at the time too going back to the nostalgia thing one of the reasons that i think it resonated with me so much is was the lyrical content if you listen to a lot of the lyrical content um it's about his you know struggles with uh uh you know not being good with girls um it's about love lost it's about love um but also sometimes the lyrics are just stupid sometimes he's singing a song about you know riding you know uh surfing and sometimes he's riding a song or writing a song about um a guy that looks like buddy holly it doesn't make any sense it's completely like for my 13 year old mind when i first uh you know delved into this um it it met me right where i was at because in hindsight the lyrics are kind of like juvenile but also at the end of the day it's just a dude writing unpretentious music about stuff that he likes um I kind of put them in the same vein vein as like Green Day and Blink-182. Like, you know, they're not the quintessential Pearl Jam. They're not your, your grunge bands. They're not Pearl Jam. They're not Nirvana. What they're doing is kind of stupid and childish in comparison. But I think that's what's so fun about it. They have this the just unashamedness and they're just having a good time. Um, and I just love that about them. It's so pure and it's so unpretentious to me. Um so yeah, um, I don't I don't want to interrupt your train of thought, but you brought yeah. up an interesting word, unpretentious, and I think that's kind of interesting. What? Um, I would say that Green Day. So I just recently went down a Green Day rabbit Ooh. hole. So I don't mean to like die on this Green Day. No, hill. please, yeah. Well, well, you're, I, I would say you're right. Green Day did do a lot like that um, in their earlier stuff. But I also think on Dookie, you have a song like When I Come Around. Yeah. Ooh. Which is not childish, and it's yeah. very vulnerable. Um, and then you have various degrees of that. And before you get to American Idiot, you have... I mean, there's a song called Hitchin' a Ride, which is about Billy Joel, Billy Joe's alcoholism mm-hmm. uh which is really intense especially after you know what he had to deal with with alcoholism but yeah no i i kind of get that but like when you say unpretentious what exactly are you alluding to i are you alluding to the fact that when it's the lyrics that rivers cuomo white did? because to be honest with you like you and me have kind of argued or at least not been on the same page mm-hmm. when it comes to melody lyrics and all that like Mm -hmm. you have a tendency to be the kind of guy who will count syllables yeah to make something work correctly which Mm -hmm. i think is like a weezer vibe and i'm like fuck off no Mm -hmm. i i don't want to do that like that's the complete antithesis of how i view the whole process so right but i'm curious though when you say unpretentious, like what do you what do you think that means in the context of Weezer? Is it void of meaning? Does that make it unpretentious, or is it maybe a in the ability to interpret it to bring in its meaning? What yeah, like what do you what do you think about that? What does that mean? Uh, I guess when I said unpretentious, I I guess I was just thinking about like not uh, bordering on void of meaning, but they can definitely do both. There are some Weezer songs that have some really heavy lyrical content and a lot of deep meaning. Um, For example, like uh, Pinkerton, Um, that whole album was a very dark album in comparison to the Blue album, which is which was their debut album. And it was just kind of like this fun summary 
lack of meaning um, way about it. Um, but what I, I guess what I what I'm trying to say is that I what I like about them is not that it's all meaningless because he can do both really well. Like I was actually going to read you um, one of the lyrics to a really good song off of Pinkerton called Butterfly. Listen to this. It starts off, Yesterday I went outside with my mama's mason jar, caught a lovely butterfly. When I woke up today, looked in on my fairy pet. She had withered all away, no more sighing in her breast. I'm sorry for what I did. I did what my body told me to. I didn't mean to do you harm. Every time I pin down what I think I want, it slips away. The ghost slips away. So that's fucking heavy. He's not talking about a butterfly. He's probably talking about a relationship, a girl that he hurt deeply, and he's acknowledging that it's completely his fault. And he made it, he treated her like shit. That's raw. That is vulnerable. And I, I think what I like about it is he writes songs like that. But then also the unpretentious part of it is, hey, remember when rock music used to be fun and we could just sing about shit we liked, like playing Dungeons and Dragons in the garage? Like nobody wrote wrote a song about playing Dungeons and Dragons in your garage except for Rivers Cuomo. <laughs> yeah, I, no one I, would do that. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. So do you think the unpretentious? So do you think being pretentious when you're a songwriter is layering? meaning over meaning in regards to it or is the pretentiousness or is the pretentiousness coming from a place of more like hey i wrote a deep song yeah listen to my deep lyrics like yeah what, what what's the difference for you i think yeah i i think to me it's it's all about like you know, I guess when I think of a pretentious rock musician, I think of like not necessarily grunge because I know you love grunge, but there's a lot of uh, there, there's a lot of like sorrow and morose overtones to it. Correct. Yeah. That I don't always want to listen to. <laughs> there's there's sure. there's definitely a time where I want to listen to sad songs and wallow in my own self-pity but nine times out of ten I listen to music to cheer myself up or like hey I'm in a bad mood I want to get out of this rut so let's throw on my name is Jonas and sing nonsense about surfing and that shit <laughs> interesting okay yeah okay no I, I i get that like i just wanted your take on that because yeah like that's um coming well it's like you said like yeah i think we could use like grunge as an example like that's part of the reason why like sometimes i fuck with weezer sometimes i don't sometimes i mm -hmm. fuck with a lot of the music you listen to and sometimes i have an opinion and maybe that's why is because like i don't like i don't like people with a platform who then are then make a conscious decision to be childish that's yeah mm -hmm. so if you have the platform i'm not saying you can't do that every now and then there's plenty of pearl jam songs there's plenty on a Soundgarden song i mean Soundgarden wrote a song about the baseball player ty cobb and it's <laughs> yeah. just like mm -hmm. it's like metal mandolin and just like fuck you <laughs> like it, yeah it's, exactly it's a really goofy punk rock song so it's kind of an experiment in songwriting okay mm -hmm. yeah that sounds pretentious so i guess i get it <laughs> you know now that i start to explain it i get it but yeah no i i always kind of had some kickback for the people that had a platform and i felt like they weren't singing about anything because 
Because I, I think I sometimes get really mad when people talk about Nirvana and are like, well, Kirk Romain's lyrics didn't mean anything and it didn't have any... It's like, well, you're not wrong, but that guy would choose words based on the tonality of his voice. Mm-hmm. He wanted to convey meaning only through music. Mm-hmm. And I think if it was up to him, wouldn't have really sang lyrics at all if he could yeah. have got away with it. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, but... Yeah, that's fair. So I've always kind of bucked against that. I always wanted mm-hmm. a band who was saying something. Mm-hmm. And uh, to circle back to Green Day, like, you know, there was plenty of albums where they were saying stuff before, but it wasn't at the forefront. But then they wrote American Idiot, with I, which I think is the most pinnacle 2008 America Bush administration <laughs> fuck you to the establishment right. that could have ever been written. I think it's... yeah. You know, it's it's the pinnacle of rebellion at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I've always kind of bucked up against that. But it's also interesting to hear your perspective, and I think that makes a lot of sense for you to be like, well, here's, here's music that is not trying to get you to buy into, like, emotions, dude. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it is having fun. It's, it, it, it's music, I think, for music's sake... Mm-hmm. which can be really powerful. And I think when yeah. you get out of pretentious music, you get into music where people just make music because they're like, oh, man. I, like, nobody's playing Bossa Nova and is, like, bummed <laughs> out. You know what I'm saying? Right. There's yeah, not a exactly. sad Bossa Nova song. So, yeah. you know, it's 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 a perspective that I definitely lose a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I get it, man. And 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 I and I definitely see what you're saying because I think what you were hinting at is um, we've had this conversation before. But yeah, Rivers Cuomo a couple years ago put out this like song exploder episode um, on their that song exploder podcast, and he revealed his songwriting uh, structure. Basically, what he does for writing lyrics is it's all structured. It's all he has a Google Docs Excel spreadsheet about different phrases he'll think about and he'll categorize it by rhyme schemes, syllables. It's all color coordinated. Right, and right, right. basically every time he goes to write a song, he'll just pull from that spreadsheet and be like, oh, this this sounds cool with this and this sounds cool with this. So, yes, a lot of his music isn't written with a specific like subject or theme. It's all kind of just pulled from this robotic spreadsheet, which I can get. It's not as uh, raw or uh, meaningful, but he doesn't do that all the time because hear me out. Like that's what I'm saying. I love that he can do both because there, there are, there's plenty of Weezer songs that do have a lot of meaning. If you listen to like the okay human album that came out at the peak of the Mm. pandemic, that is an, I think that's a brilliant album. It's a hundred percent like top 10. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's sad. He has this really incredible like orchestration where they have like violins and cellos and also lyrics that are kind of like, again, about quarantine and COVID and this depressing, it's almost kind of like Bo Burnham's inside. It's basically, it's uh yeah, it's Rivers Cuomo's inside. Um, They've got they've got a song um, called Screens, and it's basically just about how, you know, iPhones and smartphones are ruining the world and <laughs> and ruining everybody's intellect. I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I I think actually that album is underrated because I remember Mm -hmm. when we were doing Two Friends, uh, I remember we did our Isolated Alone episodes Mm -hmm. around the time that that album came out. And here's been my relationship with Weezer is I saw that they titled it OK Human, and I was like, okay. You know, I'm like, it's not funny. The music's not going to be good. This is stupid. But then I listened to it and I was like, oh, yeah, it's kind of ain't half bad. I kind (laughs) of fuck with this. Yeah. That's my relationship with Weezer. So it's, it, I definitely doubt them and I definitely think they're an underdog. Oh, trust me. I doubt them all the time. (laughs) (laughs) As a fan. Uh, uh, I discovered them when I was 14 and since then they've put out about 10 albums and every single time they put out an album I'm like excited for it I'm like oh my gosh it's it's Weezer's new album day and then I listen to it and I'm like oh that was kind of a letdown I'm like a dog who's chasing a ball that doesn't realize the owner hasn't ever thrown the ball he just did one of those fake outs <laughs> oh, no. oh no that's a very good analogy that's a good one that's a good one um, yeah no but the, but then when they do catch the ball you kind of got to be like ah man everybody everybody's fucking sleeping on weezer dude (laughs) then you're just like you've unlocked something you know what i mean exactly it makes it all the more better man yeah weezer is definitely high risk high reward (laughs) yes you know (laughs) like that's definitely how they operate but man when they when they do hit it man like it's it's hard to it's hard to really critique it when they get it right Mm -hmm. and i do think that's one thing that's really powerful about weezer now when they get it wrong unfortunately you could just dump truck unload (laughs) <laughs> on it like, these fucking idiots you know what yeah, i mean like it's right. it's easy to really just be like this was bad mm-hmm. yeah i i think it's a 50 50 when they do get it right though it is you're all in it is impressive and you are you're on the mountaintop singing their praises yeah exactly um and and i think that um that kind of leads me naturally into my next topic is one of the reasons that I st- still stand behind them as a band is um, the the, I, the reasoning that I think they put out such shit albums is because Rivers is a very fragile person. He's talked a lot about his confidence issues. And basically, if you if you if you know anything about who he is, he's he's just one of the most interesting people in the world. Because so Blue Album came out when he was like 24, 25. Everybody loved it. He was on top of the world. Um, Shortly after that, they put out their next album, Pinkerton everybody hated it they said it was too dark it didn't sound very good um and he just kind of like went into hiding he like that really like bummed him out and he kind of gave up on music writing for a while he enrolled in harvard he studied uh english literature and he spent a few years at harvard just getting an english lit degree while he was at harvard he tried he uh auditioned for the like the men's choir didn't get in (laughs) he was denied (laughs) from the men's choir at harvard so obviously yeah he he's had to deal with some shit um but i i think <laughs> oh yeah boo-hoo. he didn't get into harvard's men's choir oh what a fucking tragedy dude <laughs> well i guess all that to say um the the shitty albums they put out kind of follow amazing albums and vice versa so after he uh right. was it uh 
after he was at Harvard, he kind of like worked on the green album while he was there. And basically what he did was just try to find a recipe for a perfect pop song structure, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus out. He did that for the entire green album, which is kind of boring, but I fucking love the green album. It slaps. Um, And then it also has um, Island in the Sun on it, which is probably their most uh, popular song. Um, But um, I wrote it down earlier. I'm just going to pull that out. Um, yeah, um, their their biggest missteps as a band are mostly because he was afraid to put his own personality into his music like he did on Pinkerton. Pinkerton had some really vulnerable content, and he assumed that because the feedback was pretty bad, um, he people just didn't want to hear what he had to say. So he was like, okay, well then fuck it. I'm going to write a song about Beverly Hills and pork and beans and do the complete opposite. And then after a couple of years of, after putting out a few of those albums, people were like, nah, this stuff kind of sucks too. Uh, so he's like, okay, well then fuck it. I'll be vulnerable again. And then that album doesn't do very well. So he'll be like, okay, well I'm going to stonewall you. And then I'm not going to put any heart or soul into my music. Um, and, and you know so on and so on but so they put out as a band they put out 17 studio studio albums and nine eps and i was actually kind of like trying to count up the albums i love 10 albums there are seven albums that they put out that i'm just not either you know don't love or just completely hate and i think for a for a band to put out 10 really really good albums again in my opinion that's fantastic um how many? Oh. <laughs> the, Are you I kind of lost. Attack me right there. <laughs> How no. many albums did your favorite band put out, dude? I wasn't. I wasn't thinking, and I, I almost brought up Nirvana. <laughs> they only put out three fucking albums, dude. Yeah, well, there was well, three. Yeah, there's a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's kind of a a big wall that makes it harder to continue to. Exactly. So yeah, that yeah, that's why I stopped. <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you. Uh, you like Nirvana, you little puss. They only put out three good albums, dude. Where have they been ever since? <laughs> They've done nothing. <laughs> they haven't done anything since, dude. <laughs> marker and we're back so so the little amount of research i've done i did enough to convey what i would call the why weezer is better than everyone thinks there is conspiracy theory i would and i would love to share that with you if you're ready so basically here's my thing with weezer so they came out, uh, and let's just go ahead and nail down these dates. So when they did the Blue Album, uh, 94, thank you. So they did the Blue Album in 94. They did Pinkerton in 96, which is actually kind of wild to think about, actually. Um, when Weezer came out in 94, they did the Blue Album. I have a theory that if Weezer came out with a album that I'm not saying it had like any of the songs have to be the same. Let's just say Weezer existed now today and tomorrow they drop their like updated version of the blue album. Let's just say that that's when this band existed. I think they would be every other band. And here's why, because I think that the music market 
is so heavily saturated by things like TikTok and YouTube. And I, I mean, it's, it's cool in a lot of ways. There are so many independent bands just kind of like hopping on a label to just like kind of get a record produced. And then they do everything else from there. Um, however, what that has done is created an oversaturation where there's always a new band. There's always this cool new person, you know, on the scene and, you know, but it, the good news is that major record labels are kind of becoming obsolete. And I'm, I personally am very happy for the day that they won't even exist and people can really do what they do. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. You get good and bad there. When Weezer dropped that album in 94, rock music was popular, one. But I don't think that that means that every single rock band that popped up got to take it, didn't get to go the distance. And I think Weezer was able to do that because that what happened in 94 is we had something different. We had nerdy, young, white guys making rock and roll and then a lot of people resonated with that because i think that the only thing that grunge did is i do think that grunge alienate i think grunge was scary to a lot of people because like i don't i don't i think there was a big group of people that didn't understand what they were so angry about and I think that a band like Weezer still did something kind of important, but in a very different way. These were nerdy white guys who really didn't have a whole lot to complain about. And they knew that. And what they didn't try to do was fake the authenticity of it. So then they wrote stuff of, well, let's make cool, grungy, alternative music, but let's do it with our own vibe. Which is kind of goofy and honestly pretty funny. And I think they went that route. Now I think if that happened today, I think they would be swallowed up in the machine. Not meaning that they still weren't a good band and would be important. But I think what happened was they ended up skyrocketing. Because music didn't work that way back then. There was only a handful of bands that were able to continue and go on and be popular bands. I think that happened to Weezer, and I think they didn't know what to do. And the way you describe Pinkerton makes total sense. 1996, sophomore album. That's always hard for a band. Coincidentally, we were kind of joking around about Nirvana. Nirvana's sophomore album was an album of B-sides and live takes. They didn't even want to fuck with the sophomore slump. They were like... Let's come out and just release unreleased music as our sophomore album, and we'll come back for our third album and hit this one out of the park. And they did, but they avoided the sophomore slump idea entirely. But what's interesting about Pinkerton is that in 96, it wasn't well received, but nowadays it's like the cult classic Weezer masterpiece. Yeah, it is. Yeah, people people love it. At the time, they did not. But um, yeah, I actually, that's funny you brought that up because I, I actually read an article last night. Um, somebody, uh, I think it was the LA Times was interviewing Rivers Cuomo, and um, he was talking about 
their more recent music and this out this uh this article came out a couple years ago around the time of uh the black album which i absolutely hate the black album that's <laughs> that one sucks but the uh the guy running the article is actually kind of an interesting because he was kind of like subtly giving him a little bit of shit about you know the shitty music this was right after like the teal album and the guy kind of not so pointedly asked him like why did you even do this <laughs> and um basically rivers cuomo is like well what what's changed in the music industry so much since 94 when we put out that album is back in the day you had to be signed by a label you had to buy out recording studio time it took three or four years to to write the songs to market it to get to get to get to production it was a whole event but basically because of the ease of again home recording studios spotify you don't need no one needs a label anymore um so rivers cuomo i think is kind of coming around to the idea that um well he even said in the article like back in the day we are we our songs had to be fucking carved out they had to be perfect or else we weren't gonna right we weren't gonna make it and now he's like well you know because we have a recording studio in our house and it's so easy to just put a song up on spotify with no marketing or backing um they're just kind of they have the attitude of like hey this is kind of a weird idea let's try to do that um Whereas they didn't have that luxury, you know, back in 94. So, yeah, some of their weird ideas kind of suck ass, but they're doing it. So that's something, right? <laughs> no, actually, that's entirely where I'm fucking heading with this. Like, a hundred percent, man, because here's what happens. They deal with 94 with the Blue Album, 96 with Pinkerton. They mm-hmm. then don't come out with an album until the Green Album in 2001. Yeah. 2001, dude? <laughs> fucking sucked bro <laughs> yeah. like i know that we did the episode on the garage rock revival here's the only thing about that era of rock and roll every other mainstream rock and roll band produced shitty ass albums and i yeah. don't think their albums got bad until 2005 with make-believe and i'm not Mm -hmm. even saying that that album is terrible um actually believe it or not i think that album uh actually isn't too bad it's actually it's actually one of my favorite albums if you remove beverly hills from that i think it's a near perfect album i think the issue (laughs) is past that i think you start to get into divisive weezer albums you have the red album i love actually I love the Red Album. That's another thing I was going to bring up about Weezer. There's, there's a, so I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you in a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. There's an album to kind of fit whatever mood you're you're into. Um, their first few albums were very grungy, very rock heavy with a with a hint of pop. The Weezer, I the Weezer Red Album, I compare it to like a rock opera. It's kind of weird. It's yeah. their Queen album. Um, they have a couple fun summery type albums. Um, I I think the White Album is their version of Pet Sounds. It's got some really cool kind of just sitting on a beach drinking beer songs on it they have some depressing songs like on uh uh uh, okay human it's acoustic and sad and weird but yeah i so that's another thing i love about them it's not all the same even though they are kind of trying to do a bunch of different stuff and a lot of that stuff doesn't hit they're trying it so sorry i just had to get that out of the way yeah, no, that was actually a point that I was going to make because what what here's what I think happened to Weezer is I think that Weezer believes in what they're doing, 
but I also do not think that they are pretentious. They do not mm. live and die on a creative hill, uh, a, a creative hill, to the point that they're going to say no. I think that they're willing to try and do everything. And I think in 2001, I think their record label wanted them to make a hit. Yeah. And I think they did. And I think the reason that they didn't have a moral issue with that is because they're like, well, yeah, we could try that. Okay, we did did the Blue Album. We did Pinkerton. The record label is telling us to write hits. And Rivers Como and his little bit of a weird brain went, let me see if I can analyze and deduce down how to do it let me make an album full of hits that's kind of cool that's kind of an interesting idea but i think what happened after that is that rock and roll mainstream rock and roll has such shitty produced albums there's two albums i have come to mind foo fighters in your honor which we talked about during my foo fighters album i love that fucking album it sounds like ass yeah (laughs) Pearl Jam self-titled the avocado record. Mm-hmm. I saw them on tour. My my one of my first actually yeah my first concert. I saw them in tour touring that album. Mm-hmm. That album has had two remasters since it has come out. Wow, <laughs> two different Brendan O'Brien and I forget the other person's name. They had two different. You you're gonna remaster an album twice (laughs) that came out in like 2004. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like it that original mastering of that album, the original mix is god fucking awful. Mm -hmm. Mainstream rock bands did not know how to release music, and I think what happened to Weezer is that I think a they knew that, b they still kind of fell victim to it. Because I don't think that they were the kind of guys to walk into a meeting and say no. I think they took what people wanted them to do, what a record Mm. label would want them to do, and kind of took it as a challenge. Right. And be like, well, can we do that? Do you guys want to give it a shot? Mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for that. Because a lot of bands, like you said, that are... You know, you you throw in a a smidgen of pretentiousness. Mm -hmm. Most people are going to say no. Take the pretentiousness away, and the people that are like, well, I'm up for a challenge, are you guys? Will Mm -hmm. say yes. And if they don't meet that, I don't think Weezer views that as a failure. And I think that's what's cool about Weezer. It's like, well, we tried that. People didn't really like it. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do next year? Yeah, but we had fun doing it. So I've talked so much shit about the Teal album, their covers album. Um, and yeah, to I this day, like I think it was. And to this day, I think it was a mistake. But reading this article that I, I read last night, it kind of puts something new into perspective that I think uh, is worth talking about. Like, you know, at the time it came out, I was like, so basically, here's why they did it and what was going on. There was this someone on Twitter like kept tweeting at Rivers Cuomo like hey cover you should cover Africa by Toto they tweeted that them tweeted him that like every day for like a year and then everybody like it became this meme they're like hey we want we want to hear Weezer cover Africa I don't know why it's completely random it's a meme it's a, it's the Nickelback effect it's now an, it's now a meme <laughs> to make fun of Nickelback it's now a meme to kind of shit on Weezer a little bit um so 
because he was getting so much attention on Twitter, he was like, well, we have to do it right. So he went along with it because he's trying to stay relevant. So not only did he do Africa, he also did Rosanna. And then as a surprise album, they were like, hey, surprise, because you wanted us to do this one cover. We did like 10 other covers. And at the time when I listened to it, I... I I wasn't thrilled about it, but I also wasn't like, oh, this is going to suck because a cover album, it's a fun thing to do. Um, they're not the first band that has put out a cover album, an album of completely covers. Um, but I hated it at the time because of this specific reason. When you listen to the songs, it sounds exactly like the original songs that they are covering. What I wanted to hear was like, hey, I want to hear Weezer's version of, yep. you know, Weezer, Weezer this up a little bit. Weezerify it, baby. Yep. Um, and yep. they never did that. And the guy in that article straight up asked him like, hey, peop, you know, why did you do this so close to the source material? And he's like, I mean, this wasn't like a serious project we were working on. Like we could have Weezered it up a little bit, but also like, it, it would be it would have been so easy to just weezer it up and put out an album and half ass it. At the time they did that album, what they really were striving to do was, you know, research the recording techniques of the time. We, Rivers Cuomo was talking about how he got his hands on the stems for Billie Jean, like the actual Michael Jackson mm-hmm. stems. He listened to every single stem, every single track on that album, on that song until he perfected it and he did that with every single song on that album and yeah it's you know it it, 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 at the end of the day it's not a fun album but at the time that was like what they wanted to do as a band they were like hey let's kind of hone this aspect of our creativity let's try to nail build these songs from the ground up that sound exactly like the the originals and they fucking did it and that's impressive and also like you know I not 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 a lot of people care about that, but it was fun for them. That's what they wanted to do. <laughs> like just this podcast, people not a lot of people listen to it, but I'm still going to do it because hey, it's fun for us. So you know, there, <laughs> don't crucify me for it. Yeah, I'm, yeah. There you go. Now you know. Even then, you go all the way back to Knuckleball and talk about yeah. that because that's you know how do we stay in the game? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, learn how to throw the knuckleball. But anyways, yeah, no. Like uh, actually, coincidentally. Uh, Aaron's wife, Katie, said about the Teal album, because Jonathan, who you know, also a Weezer mm-hmm. fan, a pretty pretty heavy Weezer fan, yeah. uh, would play that a lot. And uh, she said, it sounds like karaoke. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what everybody says about it. Yep. And-, and, and I thought that was really <laughs> astute. I was like, you know what? That is why. And around that time, we've had this conversation about NSP. And I do think you're right. I'm not saying that Weezer made decisions mm-hmm. based off what Ninja Sex Party was doing. <laughs> right. However, Ninja Sex Party did kind of hit a new level of notoriety because of the first cover album that they did. Mm-hmm. And what they did do was they made it their own. Yeah. While still doing, you know, while still respecting and also incorporating that source material. I think Ninja Sex Party did it a way that was right, at least to be successful. Mm-hmm. And that boosted them up and made them relevant. So people on Twitter were like, oh, fuck, is because I'm not, I, I just think at that point, NSP had reached a level where Weezer knew about them. Yeah. And I think that they should have went, should we cover the exact songs that NSP just covered? <laughs> 
because I mean it's it's close to like forty five percent. Wow. Okay. And I think that bit him in the ass because when you Ooh. listen to like Ninja Sex Party do, you know, Africa by Toto, it sounds awesome. It sounds like a band covering Africa. When Ooh. you hear it on the Teal album, it kind of sounds like Rivers Cuomo with a microphone in front of a karaoke machine singing yes. Africa. Exactly. Yeah. It just didn't work. But that doesn't inherently make it terrible. It also doesn't Ooh. tarnish Weezer as a whole. Right. Um, because I remember that was one of the questions that I asked you. Is like, well, you're telling me that there's Weezer albums that you don't like and don't <laughs> want to listen to? And I was like, I don't get that because I'll sit here and defend why every single Foo Fighters Ooh. album is good. Because <laughs> there's no album that... there. I have a hierarchy. The, yeah. the worst Foo Fighters album that I think came out has their two biggest hits on it. Mm-hmm. It is one by one. It has times like That's these right. and all my yeah. life. That's the Ooh. worst album. It has their two yeah. biggest hits. So it's like, yeah. who cares? The rest is even better. <laughs> so right. fucking, you know, that's just, it's taken me a while to understand Mm-hmm. Well, we, to, I guess yeah. to to validate it and answer the original question of why they're still my favorite band, even though there's probably five or six albums that I mm-hmm. am fine never listening to again. Um, I, I think if you understand who Rivers is as a person and why they put out those albums, it adds a little bit of grace. Um, you know, like I said, he's a he's a fragile, sensitive guy that didn't want to risk putting his you know putting himself into his songwriting and. And also in his later career, an old man trying to stay relevant with a bunch of 20 year olds on Twitter. He's like 50, 55. Like, so, I mean, as a 31 year old man, that's also trying to stay relevant with younger people. I get it. (laughs) Well, and I think that's the weird thing about Weezer. Like that was another thing I wanted to circle back to is like, they had no idea they would be as popular as they were. Mm Mm-hmm. And I would guarantee you today, they probably sit around and wonder, do we really want to be this popular? I don't think, I don't think they want the popularity. I think they just, they just want the ability to work on the music they want to work on. Because that is my, that is my favorite part about Weezer is they were always willing to give it a go at most of the time to their detriment that they will put out (laughs) an album Ooh. And be like, I don't think this is very good. Like, well, we fucking did it, bro. We got to put it out <laughs> yeah, to their detriment, and they will do that. I have the utmost fucking respect for that. I don't know if they have to continue to do that. I think they should stop. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> However, I have a lot of respect for it, and I think that if they were still a garage band, or at least a band on like a medium-level label... Mm-hmm. I do think they would probably be doing more interesting stuff. I think they would be a better band, personally. That's my own personal opinion. However, at this point in time, I've given you a lot of shit about how much you like Weezer. And at this point in time, I could finally (laughs) admit, like, I get it. I see it. I I listened to one of their latest albums today. I they did these season albums. I didn't even know they did. Yeah. I mm-hmm. was listening to the winter album today. It's really good. I liked it. It's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. <laughs> it's good. You know, like Weezer I I think the only reason we care is because at the time when they came out, they're just 
there weren't enough people doing what they do. They were that trend setting that they still hold this level of notoriety. I wish they had less notoriety so they could really dig into what they want to do. But with that being said, I got a lot of respect for the guys because they made a lot of mistakes. They have good albums, bad albums. What a wildly interesting band for you to sort through (laughs) and listen to music and decide whether you like it or not. And I have a lot of appreciation for that. I don't know. It's I've, I've turned a whole new leaf on Weezer. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, that, I, I, well, that, I, uh, I appreciate you saying that. Um, <laughs> one of my, I, I did want to talk about the last thing I promise, and then I'll stop nerding out. Um, one of my favorite albums actually is uh, an album called everything will be all right in the end. It came out in 2014 and Me it's very, I love that cool. album. Um, so what I love most about it is the single from that album is a song called Back to the Shack. Yep. And I'm sure we've talked about this before, but I'm going to bring it up again because I think it's worth mentioning in context to what we're talking about. The lyrics are basically about him recognizing that they have failed as a band. The <laughs> they're, They are telling their fans that, hey, we put out some real stinkers of an album and we are sorry for it. We are going to try to be better. <laughs> but they did it in the form of, of an album that actually kicks ass. Now, if they had, you know, come out and with that basically apology album and just went back to their old roots immediately, it would be like, okay, well, this, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't love it. But I think what it means, it means a lot more to me because like, it's a genuinely good album. And then the album after that, 2016, the, their white album, I've, I told you, I compare it to, that's their pet sounds. I think that is one of their best albums. Um, and then after that, they got into some 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 more shitty albums. Yeah, Pacific but they did a Daydream is real bad, dude. <laughs> Pacific Daydream, I think, is decent. There's a couple good songs on it, but overall, not a great album. I don't like that one. And then right after that was the Teal album. Yeah, the black and then the Black album. album, which is my least favorite Weezer album. But anyway, for a while there, they were like, hey. <laughs> yeah, like two hey. years. <laughs> for like two years, they were like, hey, we're going to put out some songs that you guys actually want to hear. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they make, that may, again, maybe that makes me sound like I'm in an abusive relationship and my boyfriend's like, hey, I'm sorry I hit yeah. you, honey. I won't do it, it again. Will, it won't happen okay. again. Yeah. Here's a cover album. Oh, no. <laughs> But yeah, I, I just think that uh, that album is good, and I think it's a weird kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, reference that only that I think only Weezer would do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. And uh, one of my favorite parts about Weezer is their album art. When you look at their entire catalog, it looks like eight different bands yes. putting out albums. So here's my question. Did, okay. Sorry, I I got really impassionate here because I I really wanted to like talk about this. But do you have anything else you want to put into this? That is pretty much all I got. So okay, <laughs> my question was: Here's how I feel about Weezer to like Foo Fighters or really any other popular band that people are into. Is Weezer the black licorice of the music community? Is it the is it a flavor that is challenging and you have to kind of learn to appreciate certain aspects of but then when you eat red licorice you're like this is this fucking sucks do we 
do we have any black licorice? (laughs) And then you just, you're addicted to the complexity of that flavor that you could never eat red licorice again. You have to eat black licorice because that's the only thing that satisfies that craving. I love that. That is so, I'm going to use that forever. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because it's very polarizing. Like a lot of people hate black licorice, but the people that love it really fucking love it. Same with like cilantro. A lot of people love it. A lot of people are like, oh, it tastes like soap to me. Um, There's no in between. Um, okay, well, the cilantro <laughs> thing is a genetic thing. They can't no, help you're, it. Yeah, you're, yeah, <laughs> no, let's, sure. let's go back to your licorice thing. That, that was more accurate. <laughs> sure, sure. I shouldn't have even tried to follow it up with a better... <laughs> because I can't. Okay, so, sorry. It just It's funny. You're like, yeah, and then some people think cilantro tastes like soap. They're fucking idiots. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not genetically their fault. <laughs> Uh, um, but no, you're yeah. I think you're exactly right. Well, that's how I feel about Weezer, and I will admit, like, I'm a little bit inspired to go back to the beginning and act because I haven't listened to Ratitude all the way through. <laughs> Do I know what songs are on Hurley? Fuck no. You know what I mean? But I, <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to go back and do it because I, I, dude, it, you know, Back to the Shack was a song that weirdly enough I was um was uh if you're wondering i want you to is that on that album too no that's on ratitude actually oh that's on ratitude okay around that era i got back into weezer yeah so i feel like i have a whole journey with weezer that i haven't completed that i personally would like to go back to and complete but that's that's why i use that example because it feels like i know there's going to be times where i fucking hate it but then there's that kind of like medicinal quality to it, right? Where I'm like, mm, uh-huh. it tastes kind of good. Maybe I yeah. should keep chewing. And it's like, oh, wow, no, this is really good. Like, yeah, like, wait, you don't like black licorice? Like, you fucking pleb? <laughs> right. I I don't know. It was the best thing no, I had, but. No, I, I, I completely agree. And I think um, if you do want to challenge yourself, um, listen to the Red album. I'm sure you probably heard it, but I think that is one of their most interesting albums because it came out right after like the Green album and Make Believe. Yep. And he was at a point in his life when he was kind of just sick of writing pop songs. So what they did was basically with the song Greatest Man That Ever Lived. There's no chorus in that song. Yeah, it's like It's, it's all songs. just refrains and, you know, see a bunch of different verses. Let, let me put it to you this way. Mitch, that's my favorite Weezer album. It's the Red Oh, album. yes. <laughs> yeah, all right. It's got Troublemaker. <laughs> like, dude, that fucking album is awesome. I that mm-hmm. That is my favorite Weezer album. Yeah. And then they'll just do, like, other random things like you know uh when when uh the white album came out rivers cuomo said hey you know what i'm kind of sick of writing songs about girls and love um what if we write an entire album and do not use the word girls and they did it it's the black album um (laughs) and i don't love it (laughs) but at least they tried you know (laughs) i i do yeah, I do have a lot of <laughs> respect for the band that tried. Now, what I want to do is take your knowing you as a friend and Weezer, and I want to mesh it together. And I'm going to try really quickly. You are a person that has no illusion or ego as to who you are or what you are. 
to a degree that I think it might cripple you from your own imagination. But with that being said, what you're able to do is you're able to be a person who knows exactly who you are. You have no doubt, no illusion. You are the first guy to say like, oh yeah, no, I'm there. Or fuck no, that's not me. That is such an admirable quality in a person. And I think what you have is Weezer over there being like, <laughs> well, we're, 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 we're well aware. <laughs> but we did it. <laughs> yeah. And then you know what I think the best word for that is? Bravery. And I Ooh. think that might be the best word for you. I think the best word for you as a person is bravery. Because you have no illusion. You you have never, ever been a dude who is like, oh, yeah, dude, I fucking got this. Oh, yeah, no, dude, I <laughs> totally know everything. You're the complete opposite. Like, you're so humble, honest. However, that I have never seen that steer you away from something that you've wanted to do. If it's something you want to do, you will do it. <laughs> whether you think you can or not, or whether you have the skill set to do so. When I met you in the first couple years of meeting you, if I would have been like, hey, Mitch, you're going to get kind of good at DJing, you would be like, fuck no, I'll never do that. <laughs> and however you have. Right. <laughs> to me, that is the connection between you and Weezer. You are a man who knows who you are, what you are. However... That does not mean that that is all you will ever be. And to me, that is bravery. And to go a step further, I kind of think you're a hobbit. I kind of think if you were a Lord <laughs> of the Rings character, you would be a hobbit. And the fate of all mankind will be decided by hobbits. So I think, <laughs> holy shit, that is the highest compliment. I'm going to write this down in my diary. <laughs> I went a little far, but I, I stand by what I said because I, I think it's there. I think, yeah, I think it's there. And I think that's why you fuck with Weezer because Weezer, I think being truly brave is doing something and knowing that it will not be received well and then still doing it and then continuing forward. And I will say that I've never given Weezer that credit I'm not sure if I've given you that credit, but that is, I think, the bravest thing a person can do. Doing something, receiving the the criticism, the negative acclaim, and then continuing to do it, and then also moving forward. And I think that's the bravest thing a person can do. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. That was uh, deep, and I think it actually makes a lot of sense <laughs> if you think about it, because everything you just said is uh, uh, pretty much 100% me and 100% Weezer. So I, that's, I guess I've never put that connection together, but yeah. <laughs> that's how I view it, personally. Sodded fucking... <laughs> yeah. Did you see the game last night? Or uh... Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. That just... It... Admittedly, that came to me in the end. I hope it. I hope it comes across as poignant as I wanted it to be. No, absolutely. I really, I really think it did, and I appreciate that. Oh yeah. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I took a weird drink. 
I swallowed a bug. Uh, hey, Mitch, uh, let's wrap this up. It's so hot up here. Yeah. And all I do, all I want to do is turn on the fan or open the door. So <laughs> uh, if, if you have been cranking anything, it could even be Weezer. I don't care. What have you been cranking? <laughs> what, what's going on? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to be Weezer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah, just listen to more Weezer. Um, if you want, if you want something, uh, if you're not a, a super familiar with Weezer and all you think of them is just like the Blue Album and Pinkerton and the Grunge, go back and listen to the Red Album. If you like Grunge and you don't like Weezer, go back and listen to the Blue Album, Punkerton, Pinkerton. Punkerton. <laughs> Pun- Fucking Punkerton, Punkerton bro. <laughs> And, um, yeah, maybe I implore you to listen to some of their newer stuff, too. The White Album um, is a fun summary album. Um, Back to the Shack, um, Everything Will Be All Right in the the End, I think is a fantastic album. album. If you like acoustic, sad stuff, listen to OK Human. It's kind of weird, but um, it's brilliant. So there's something for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'll tell you what, my What You Crinkin' will also be Weezer. I would say OK Human is... I think it's a black licorice album, but man, if you could really learn to acclimate to that flavor, it's a very interesting album. Yeah. And I also, at the time, thought OK Human was silly. Now I'm realizing it's very meta, because Radiohead wrote OK Computer before they had any fucking idea how computers would be so important to our daily lives. Mm -hmm. And then once we got to that point... Weezer said, okay, okay, human. Yeah, Admittedly, I mean, that's, that's like kind of genius. I brought up the, the the song called Screens because that's kind of like what it's all about, man. Like human connection and yearning for it and depression with, uh, yeah. you know, what you what's going on in the current social media age and, you know, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's supposed to be the great connector, but at the end of the day, it's the great divide. Like, it, yeah. I think it divides us more than we're willing to admit. I just listened to the deep and dreamless sleep off their winter seasons album. I really fucking liked it. I really fucking liked it. I would say, Hey, that's my nomination. I think it's really good. I think it's cool. Like good Weezer, new Weezer. Really this, I, what, what's happening right now is I'm just apologizing for every giving you shit about Weezer. <laughs> like, I am sorry. Yeah, it's all right. I, you don't need to apologize. I, I'm learning. It took me a long time. It's it's kind of how I felt about Black Licorice. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it took me about 20 years, so then I turned the corner. And, I'm and like, IPAs. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. And IPAs. I was right about IPAs, too, turns out. <laughs> yeah. IPAs, weed, um... <laughs> What are your favorite movies? You have a favorite movie <laughs> style that I don't enjoy too that I can't remember. What? I don't I don't what it what? You have a movie. Favorite? There's movies that you like that I don't inherently like, but I can't remember. Oh, uh, I don't remember. Yeah, this isn't the movie podcast. Sorry, that's a different <laughs> Tuesday. Uh Anyways, I really like Joseph Gordon-Levitt and John Cusack. Is it one of those two? Those are like some of my favorite actors, and I know you're on the fence <laughs> well i might be i might be willing to go out on a limb with just like high fidelity as a whole because i really liked it when i first watched it i would not listen to every single song in high fidelity <laughs> i didn't like and, it that much 
it's that bravery thing. <laughs> That's what it is. It's just like, hey, fuck it, why not? You know, John Cusack in his film career. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Anyways, uh, yes, uh, Mitch, awesome as always. Love it. Good to hear you speak on something you are passionate about, which is one of my favorite parts about you uh, when you talk about things that you enjoy. Um, I do also enjoy when you talk about things that you hate, but that list <laughs> feels very small. Uh, oh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, for the listeners, anybody who is continuing to have listened, uh, also Tanner, because apparently Tanner is really late to this party, which I haven't addressed. Did you see that Facebook message? Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No, he sent us a Facebook message like a week ago. Like, well, I wasn't officially informed about the podcast, but now I'm here. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, hey, thanks, Tanner. Yeah, sorry for not uh, yeah, keeping you up to date. Yeah, I guess. I appreciate and love you. However, what do you mean, man? I've been on Facebook like a lot. <laughs> like, did you want a literal fa- person to person invitation? <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, Facebook hides that shit. If you're not paying, if, if you're not playing the game, it's not showing anybody those posts. So, okay. Yeah. That was the message I wanted to send him. So, that will be the message. <laughs> like, I'm glad you're here. Have you seen anything? Because if you haven't, I now have an issue, and I have to solve right. that. Well, it's also partly on me, because we text at least once a week, so you feel like I would have been like, hey, man, <laughs> podcast back up. Anyways. Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, for Mitch, go on about Weezer for two hours. Uh, thank you for being here. <laughs> um, I told... I I told Scotty before we started that we were going to talk about Weezer. <laughs> okay, sorry. I have to tell you this real quick. <laughs> okay. I was hanging out. I was hanging out with some friends the other night. One one of their her brother came over. Their brother's name is Scott. Everybody calls him Scotty. I could not stop thinking about this dumb bit the entire night. Everybody called him Scotty. Okay, so then Scott was going to go golfing with us the other day, and he okay. was going to he was gonna go. I think he was going to drive. So one of the guys that was there, he was like, yeah, man, just pick me up, Scotty. <laughs> and I lost it. But I couldn't tell anyone <laughs> because they wouldn't understand. <laughs> Scotty, can you come pick me up? I got a I got a nine thirty tea time. Scotty, can you come pick me up? I just thought you'd appreciate that. I really do. Like that made me bust out laughing, and I wish I would have been there because somebody said, "Scotty, can you pick me up?" I would have. Right? I would have died. It's like died. God. I could not get away from this fucking bit. Yeah. Well, and 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 well, and that's the whole thing is like I asked Scotty, like you know, how do you feel about Weezer? And, you know, his whole answer is, is like, I think Radiohead's better. God damn it. And I just... Well, now we got beef. And I I didn't appreciate that. Mainly because they're not even close. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just like, why are you bringing Radiohead in this? And I was like, it's the pretentiousness. Yep, it is. Uh huh. Yep, sad bastard music is what I call yeah, it. Yeah, and then I said, "Wait a minute, are you using your pretentiousness to power the beam? Is that how you beam us up? Is by your like musical Ooh. pretentiousness?" And he was like, "Oh yeah, dude, I fucking love Arcade Fire." 
Yeah, man. Apparently, this uh, rocket ship runs off of beanies and soy macchiatos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moleskin notebooks. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.